There we go. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. Two quick announcements before we get started. Uh, so if you've been with us for a while, you know that we usually only do one baptism Sunday um, a year, and now we're switching that. We're going to start doing one in the spring and one in the fall, so we'll have two baptism Sundays. So our next baptism Sunday is coming up on May the 21st, um, and so again, you'll have stuff that'll be coming out. We'll be giving you more information on that, so just know uh, that now we're going to be doing two of them, and again, uh, just be able to celebrate what God's doing in the lives of people. Here's the other thing. So some of you guys know this story. Some of you guys don't know this story. Um, but Josh and Amber Rich's daughter, Bree, um, has been going through this long battle um, with her health. And, um, and again, they're down in Alabama right now. And again, we want to support them as a church. And so a lot of you have been in contact with them. A lot of you have been praying for them. A lot of you guys have been financially supporting them. But we as a church want to come together and do something, again, for the family. And so one of the things we want to be able to do is, again, when they're watching online, just let them know we love you. We're praying for you guys. Know that we're in your corner. But the other thing that we want to do is, is that if you have the app and you go to it and you open it up right in the begin at the beginning of the app, at the top is the banner to get a t-shirt. So what we want you guys to do is we want everybody here uh, to go on the app, buy a t-shirt, because again, buying the t-shirt, again, not only says to, to people or says to them, we love you, but it also financially helps support them, right? So if you go on, you buy a t-shirt, and then that t-shirt, the funds will go there to be able to support them. And what we want to do is, is we want to have a Sunday where everybody in the congregation and everybody on stage is wearing a t-shirt in support of Bree and their family. And we're going to take a picture with the whole congregation from the front and with people here on the stage. So we'd love for you to go get a t-shirt. Again, if you can't figure it out, talk to one of the staff members. We'll help you get a t-shirt, and then we'll let you know in the Sunday coming up in April where we're all going to be wearing them together, and we can all be celebrating. Um, and in the meantime, as it's going on, again, uh, for the family, be praying for them, um, be praying for her healing, um, and be praying for, again, the family as they're far away and working through this journey together. And I think it's been uh, not that I think, I know that it's been stressful and hard, not only on Bree, but on the family and the things. So keep them in your prayers and be praying for them. All right, so we're starting a new series called Easter People. I want to give you the emphasis behind why. So why would we do Easter People? Why is it important? What do we hope that you'll be able to learn from this? So one of my, um, I won't say it's like a pet peeve, but one of the things that I see happen in church a lot is that Easter is a moment and Easter is exciting and Easter is for a season, but then it just goes away, right? Like we get really excited about Easter Sunday and we get excited about maybe what you're doing around Easter Sunday with the people that you're going to invite, the family that you're going to be with. And then after it's all over, like there's an excitement building, but then after it's all over, it just goes back to the same thing. Anybody feel that with me? You know, it just goes back to going through the motions and going through the same thing. So the thing that I want us to see, and I'm going to talk about multiple times today, is, is that there is a huge difference in celebrating Easter and living a resurrected life. Does that make sense? So we can celebrate Easter, but what we should be celebrating 
is that because Jesus Christ died on a cross and there was an empty tomb, you now have the ability to live a resurrected life. And that all of our days should be filled with living as if we are living a resurrected life, with the power of the resurrection inside of us, right? So we should be living that every single day, and it shouldn't just be moments that are fleeting or that go away. So what my hope is, is that looking at Easter people, because this is what I think got confusing for me. So when I first became a Christian, people say things from the stage, they think you know what they're talking about, and you're like, you're nodding your head, but you have no idea what they're talking about. Anybody ever experienced that? Right? Like you give your life to Jesus, and then this preacher gets up there, and they're like, live a resurrected life. And you're like, yeah. Do you know what that means? Right? Like what does that really mean? Like you're looking over at people, and you, you're agreeing with what he says because it really makes sense, right? Like live a resurrected life. But what does a resurrected life look like? What is it that as a Christian person, we could say, this is what it means to live a life based upon the resurrection? So what we're going to do in Easter people is we're going to take people's lives, right? And we're going to look at them, and we're going to evaluate them, and we're going to learn from them. And what our hope is, is in this series, that you can look at the life of these people, and you can say, oh, that's what it means, right? Because for me personally, that's how I learn. Right? I'm like, when people say, oh, you should do this, I'm kind of like, I don't know how to do that. But then when I watch somebody or I read somebody, you know, in, in doing it, when you read those things or when you see them or you see it in action, like, oh, that makes sense in my life. Anybody with that? Because here's the thing that you're going to recognize. So my hope is when we look at individual people's lives, you don't look at it and say, like, I want to be like that person. Because here's what you need to see. So I love to read autobiographies or I love to read about other people, you know. And so the book that I'm reading right now is by David Goggins. Anybody read any of the David Goggins stuff? And it's like, no one is going to be like David Goggins, right? Like, you're not going to be just like him, but can we learn from him how to better our life? Can we learn from people the things that we should be able to do? Like, that's the idea. So when you study the life of a person, it isn't that you're going to be just like them, but you're going to learn aspects of their life that then you can apply to your own, okay? So who we're going to look at starting in this first week is Mary Magdalene. So in that, we're going to study her life. We're going to look at her life. We're going to, to, to dive into her story. And the hope is, is as we dive into her story, that we can see, again, what it was like for her, like pre-Jesus and then after Jesus and then what she was like when she saw the resurrection and then speculate or think through what it was like with life after the resurrection and what it meant for her to live a resurrected life. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to John 20, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 18. So let me set it up a little bit, because I think most of you know the story, but I don't ever want to assume that everybody gets this. So know that when Jesus came, he said he came for two reasons, right? So the reason that Jesus came to the earth, he made it very clear so that nobody could be confused. He said to all of those people who would say, well, I know that we're praying to God, but how do I really know who God is? Do you ever feel that way? No one ever feels that way? Like the invisible God, like it's kind of hard to relate with him. I wish he was just right in front of me. Nobody ever feels like you wish you could have that physical presence. 
Okay, well, a few of us. Like, would be like, it would be way better if I could see a human interaction because to pray to an invisible God is hard, right? It's hard to make sense. So Jesus came to say, I'm gonna connect the dots for you. So I am Jesus going to take on human flesh. And if you talk to me, if you ask me questions, if you see the way that I do things, you're going to get a picture of what God is like because I'm God in flesh. That's what Jesus would say. So you now in reading about Jesus can say, well, it's not really about an an invisible God. We saw God take on flesh through Jesus and we can see how he dealt with people. Right, how he interacted with people, what he talked about, what was important to him. Here's the other thing that he said. Not only did I come to show people who God is, I came to seek and save lost people. That's what he said, right? Like he says multiple different times, the healthy, right? They don't need a doctor. Those people are good. I'm here to seek and save lost people, the people that need me. Like the people that need me, I'm going to them. But here's what he knew, and this is really important. He knew that he did, if he didn't multiply himself into the lives of other people, the gospel could die with him, right? Because the only way that the gospel is gonna be able to spread is through other people. And so he knew or understood that there has to be this value system that as he is seeking and saving lost people, that he's going to have to teach other people how to do it, right? He's gonna have to show other people how to do it because the concept of him just saying, oh, well, you should be a fisher of men and you should seek and save lost people was going to be hard for people to understand unless he taught them how to do it. So Jesus in his life with his disciples and the people around him, he was teaching them not only how to seek and save lost people, but to be preparing them for what it would be like when he was gone, what it was gonna be like post-resurrection, what it was going to be like for us, right, to live a resurrected life. So when we read here in John 20, um, you're going to see the story of where, you know, the tomb is empty. But when we look at that, we're going to put some emphasis on like Mary and her being at the tomb and what that looks like. And then we're going to go back and look at Mary's life and hopefully learn together about how we can learn from uh, the things that she did. All right. So John 20, 1 through 18. Here's what it says. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken away, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, both the other disciple, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in uh, in at the strips of linen, lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed." They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, Mary stood outside of the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. 
and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who, uh, who is it you are looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Jesus said, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, don't hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to the Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them, told them that he has said these things to her. So let's put this in perspective for a second. So remember what was happening leading up to this. So leading up to this, here was the disciples of Jesus, right, along with the followers of Jesus, and they get to this point where their leader is arrested, right? So their leader is arrested. Their leader is, again, put on a cross, uh, brutally beaten, and then died on a cross, right? So this is where everything's at. And so the backstory that's going on is, so people love Jesus, do you remember like he entered in and everybody loved him and they were throwing down their, their palm branches and a few days later they're ready to kill him? We're all tracking with that story. Like everybody loved Jesus and then all of a sudden everything switched and not only did people not like Jesus, they were not only going to attack him, but they were going to attack who else? Yeah, the people that followed him, the people that would associate with Jesus. So here we are in this story, and I think we can't overlook the, the importance of what's happening in this story. Because remember, if this was the, the, the context, people were afraid for their lives. It says, right, that she went to the tomb. So you got to put this in perspective, and we'll talk about it later. Do you know what risk she took going to the tomb? So think about it, right? If Mary, who just saw Jesus die on a cross, people weren't all that excited about Jesus or the followers of Jesus, right? But she made a decision to go to the tomb. She goes to the tomb. She sees that it's empty. She runs and tells the disciples the tomb is empty. They run and look, but what did they end up doing after they looked and saw? I thought these are the boys. What did the boys do when they showed up and they looked, the tomb is empty, and then they went back, closed the door, and locked it? What did Mary do? She stayed. Now, I don't want to overemphasize, but I don't want to underemphasize. The thing that you need to realize is, is that what we just read is pretty dramatic. Like, think about this for a second. How many of you would like to have encounters with angels? Yeah, right? Like, think about this. He says, like, this isn't out of the ordinary. We understand that, right? It's not out of the ordinary for you to entertain an angel. 
It's not out of the ordinary for angels to appear in visions and dreams. Like, that's not out of the ordinary. Scripture says these are the things she experienced, and I think all of us are like, I wish I had that. Like, I wish I had that dream. I wish that I could see those angels. I wish that I could have that experience, right? I mean, here's the other thing. Think about this. Who else? Like, she saw there, and she had an encounter with with angels, but who else did she have an encounter with? Jesus. Like, I don't know about you, but when you have an encounter with Jesus, it changes you. Right? When, when, when you have those moments where it's like you and Jesus, like these encounters, something changes inside of you, and we hear people tell the stories, and we're like, I wish I had that. Anybody? Like you hear these stories of people that just have these moments and these encounters, and you're just drawing it all in, and you ask yourself a question, like, why can't I see angels, and why haven't I had that experience? Anybody? Like you hear people tell the story and you're wondering like, why don't I get any of that? Not only that, I want you to think about this. You know what the other thing that she had the opportunity to do? She was the first person to preach the good news. How would you like that to go down in history? Like you were the first person that said to the world, written down for everybody to read. Jesus Christ is alive. Not very excited about that. I'm pretty excited about that. Like that's pretty cool to be the person that could say Jesus is alive. Now, think about this for a second. Why Mary? You ever wonder that? Like why Mary Magdalene? Because those experiences right there, I think we'd all be signing up for. Like, put me at the tomb. I'd love to see some angels. I'd love to talk to Jesus, even if I thought he was the gardener. I would love that, he, you know, for the experience to be able to have that. I would love to just be overwhelmed by the power of the Spirit and shout from the mountaintops, regardless of the things around me, Jesus Christ is alive. Right? Like, I think, why did she get to do it? I mean, think about all of the other people, right, that, that we would think should have had the opportunity, right? Like, think of all the other disciples. Think about all of these other people. Why didn't they get that chance? And here's what I want you to see. One of the first things I want you to learn about the life of Mary Magdalene. You know why she got to experience those things? It's because she just showed up. That's it. You were looking for something profound, weren't you? <laughs> But I just want to tell you, this is profound, because here's what I want to tell you. Most of you are missing the experiences of the angelic, missing the experiences of Jesus, missing the opportunities to share the gospel, because you're giving up too early. You're just giving up too early. Right, because I want you to think about this. Mary didn't have to go to the tomb. Right? The body was already wrapped. The body was already taken care of. Was there anything for her to do? There's nothing for her to do. But you know what she decided? Even though there's nothing for me to do, I'm just going to show up. I don't know what it's going to mean. She didn't go there because I think sometimes we, we like miss this. She didn't go there because she had a vision that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. 
She didn't go there because she was going to be like, this is the time. Like, if you show up at 8 o'clock, the angels usually show up, and I'm going to hope to see them. Right? Like, that's not what was happening. All she decided is, there's where my Savior is. I'm going to be by him. I'm just going to show up. And because she showed up, she experienced the angelic, she experienced the presence of God, and she was the first one to preach the gospel to people. You see, sometimes we overcomplicate being a Christian. Do you know what he wants you to do? Just show up. Just show up. You might not have all the tools. You might not have all the answers. You might not understand what, you know, how it's all going to turn out. But at the end of the day, just show up. Trust God. Like, I don't know, you might be coming in here today be like, I don't even know why I'm here. Somebody invited me, and I don't know what's going on in my life. And you're like, I don't know what God's going to do. And you don't have to know any of those things. Just show up. God's got a plan. God's going to touch you. If you keep showing up, I've always said this, you keep showing up, you're going to experience the angelic. You're going to experience the presence of God. You're going to see miracles. You're going to see things that you've never asked for or imagined, not because you are holy, not because you are right, not because you are gifted, but because you showed up. Right? We need to learn those things from Mary Magdalene. If you want to see the miracles happen, just get up every day, you know? And for me, I've always said this, the, the greatest thing I love about when you look at the story of Mary Magdalene, it kind of takes the pressure off, you know, because I don't have to feel like I have to say everything right or do everything right or make everything right or have all of my stuff together. All I have to do is I, I'm promised this by God, just show up and he'll do what I can't do. So when you go to play in a church, you go to put together a message, you know, people are like, are you worried about making somebody mad? Are you worried about saying the wrong thing? I'm like, dude, I say, I can't even worry about it. It just comes out, right? Like, that's just the way that it goes. Like, it just comes out in those ways. But here's what I can tell you. I'm not going to sit there and fret about, oh, my gosh, and I said, and did I say the wrong thing? And is somebody going to be mad, and they're never going to come back to church again? And I'm like, dude, listen, here's what God's honoring today. I just showed up. I'm here, I'm gonna preach what he tells me to preach, I'm gonna do what he asks me to do, and at the end of the day, all of these other things, I'm gonna trust God for. All of these other things, I'm gonna let him get the glory for. All of these other things, it's just because I showed up, right? I came today. You being in this room today, you don't know what showing up is going to do. And so I think for each one of us, we can learn from Mary Magdalene, if we wanna experience the presence of God, if we wanna be in those places, we could just show up. Now, who is she, right? Like, if you look at the story of Mary Magdalene, what can we learn from her, or what do we need to see from her? So if you go to Luke 8, so we're going to go back now. So this is, you know, Mary Magdalene after, you know, these things that happened in her life, and you're seeing her at the tomb, and we're looking at her life, and we're saying, wow, that's pretty cool. You get to be a part of these things. But here's my question to you. Did she end up there by coincidence or on accident? It wasn't a coincidence, and it wasn't an accident. Here's what I believe, and I believe this for you. Daily decisions will lead you into the presence of God. You don't accidentally end up there, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I just showed up, and the Spirit came pouring out. You did things daily to put yourself in a place where the Holy Spirit can work 
So if you look at the life, and that's what we're going to see in Mary Magdalene's life, what you're going to see is daily decisions that gave her the opportunity to see the empty tomb, gave her the opportunity to stand in front of the angelic, the opportunity to be able to be in the presence of God, daily decisions, and I think that's where we can learn from. So listen to what he says in Luke 8. So this is Luke 8, starting in verse 1. Says after this, Jesus traveled about from uh, one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and disease. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons came out. Joanna, the wife of uh, Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. And don't miss this last part. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Here's what I want you to see. So a lot of times when we look at the story of Jesus or we look at the spreading of the gospel, we give the credit only to Jesus or we give credit only to the disciples. We give credit only to the person who's the mouthpiece. You hear what I'm saying, right? Like you give the preacher the credit. You give the worship leader the credit. You give the small group leader the credit. You give credit to the people who are the mouthpiece. Did you see what it said? So Jesus is going from town to town, right? With his disciples preaching the gospel, but who was making it possible for them to preach the gospel? The women. Did you see that at the end? The women were making it possible that when Jesus showed up in a town, this was the behind the scenes stuff that you don't know about. Behind the scenes, the women were getting the hotels ready. The women were getting the food ready. The women were teaching in small circles that you never heard. The women were doing things to give Jesus the opportunity to do what he could do. Preach the gospel, giving the opportunity for the disciples to do what only the disciples could do. And here's what I don't want you to miss, right? So here was a woman, right, healed of seven demons that her decision was, and you know how we talked about that because she just showed up, you know, we're wondering, why did she just show up? You know why? Because after she was healed of seven demons, she just showed up. I don't know what to do. I can't preach the gospel. I can't preach the word. I'm not gifted in any of those things, but you know what I can do? Through my means that God made me in the way that he designed me, I can help. Isn't that cool? Right, here's Mary Magdalene who just made a decision. I don't have to be in the front. I don't have to be the one preaching. I don't have to be the one leading a small group. I can be the one cooking the meals. You're like, can you lead somebody to Christ cooking the meals? Yes, yes. Can you lead somebody to Christ by swinging the hammer? Can you lead somebody to Christ by all the things behind the scene? Yes. In fact, there are more of those people leading people to Christ than preachers. Preach. Yes, right? Like, we got to understand that. It's all of you who are making it possible for the gospel to spread, period. It doesn't happen without you. It doesn't happen without you saying, well, God made me in a certain way. I'm just going to do. I don't know what else to do, but I'm going to do. And so for Mary Magdalene, it was this idea that, well, I have something. I'm just going to give it to God, and I'm going to let God do what only he can do with it. And look what he did with it. And look what it did in her life. Daily decisions to say, 
All I need to do, I don't have all the answers. One foot in front of the other. Another step, another step, and another step, and God can use. Isn't that cool? Uh, that's the story of Mary Magdalene, and, and what we're going to dive into here to this, to this last part of it is, so what are some specific things that we could learn from Mary Magdalene? Like, what are some things that, that would prepare us daily to be able to put us in those positions, be able to give us the ability to be able to, to, to experience God and see the angelic? What are those things? Here's the first one. She showed gratitude. Now, here's something that I think is missed. So this seems easy with Mary Magdalene, right? Seven demons, isn't everybody happy that you get seven demons out of you? Like, I know what you're thinking, right? Like the poltergeist moments, like foaming at the mouth. Wouldn't anybody be happy to not be like that? Thank you. Yes, right? Like, you're going to be, holy crap, I was a mess. Now I'm good. So we're all thinking, Mary Magdalene's shouting from the top of her lungs, like, Jesus saved me. This is where I was. This is now where I am. And she's grateful. And she's telling everybody every single day, I am so grateful because you know what I deserve? Hell. You know what the problem in the church today is? You don't think you deserve hell, so you're not very grateful. You see, I want you to know something, whether you grew up in a church, whether you grew up religious, whether you know all the Bible studies and all the, the, the scripture verses you want, if you've studied them all and you've done them all and you've done all the religious things, you still deserve hell without Jesus. I don't care how religious you grew up or what you came from or how, let me say this in the right way, how good you think you are. As good as you are, at the end of the day, you deserve a Christless eternity spent in hell. And every day, we should wake up and say, I am so thankful. I'm so thankful. Every day, I'm going to wake up and like, Jesus, I have no idea why you saved me. I have no idea. Because think about this. This is the Jesus. This is the Jesus that when you were walking away, he was walking behind you, pursuing you. You're walking away from him. You're making all your own selfish decisions. And he's like, hey, whenever you have time, whenever you have time. He's the one when you're on the other side of the door and you've closed it and you're making all these crazy decisions. He's knocking at the door, not knocking at it to tell you how bad you are, but knocking at it saying, can I come and eat with you? Right? This is the Jesus that you serve that loves you when you don't love him. We should wake up every day and say, I am so thankful for a God through Jesus that's gonna love me through my mistakes. Because I don't know if you're like me, we make plenty. I'm gonna take some time back, wanna do some things differently, wanna change some things. Some things come out of your mouth that probably shouldn't have. And I'm so thankful that my God will still love me as his child. Gratefulness, right? Mary Magdalene made decisions every single day to say, I didn't deserve to be delivered. I didn't deserve to be rescued. But Jesus came and rescued me. And every day I'm going to wake up saying, I am grateful. And because I am grateful, I'm going to make a decision. You see, grateful people make decisions based upon their gratitude. 
Ungrateful people make decisions based upon their attitude, right? Grateful people make decisions for the person that they are grateful for, right? And so Mary Magdalene made those decisions. I'm grateful for Jesus. I'm grateful for the things he's done. So every single day I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna show my gratitude by the actions of my life. I'm gonna show my gratitude. I'm gonna show you that I love you. I'm gonna show you that I'm thankful. That's what Mary Magdalene did every single day. You know what else she did? She was resilient. So if you look at the life of Mary Magdalene, and, and again, you have to study this in history because when it talks about it the 14 different times or 15 different times when you see Mary Magdalene in the story, you don't get all of her history, but if you read in the commentaries, it does a good job of giving you the history of her life. So here's the one thing you know about Mary Magdalene is, is that she's resilient in this way. She could have used her past to dictate the outcome of her future. Does that make sense? So I, because I came from, because this happened with me, because of the way these demons affected me, because of the lingering effect of the demons in my life, now I can only be this because of this. Does that, that make sense? Because here's what I want you to see. When God heals you, he doesn't want you walking with a limp. Is that right? Like when he heals you, there's nothing wrong with saying, this was my past, but because of Jesus, he redeemed my past. Nobody must have a past, right? You know what I mean? Like this is my past, but because of my savior, he's redeemed it. He's changed it. He's overcome it. And he always made me who used to walk with a limp, walk normally. He doesn't want us to be, well, I can't be because, and I had this and my father and all the things that went along. Like that can't be your excuse. He has redeemed your past and given you the ability to do what only you can do when you're delivered from those things. Because here's what I want you to see. I hope this comes across right. Victims cannot be victors. To come across right. I'm not trying to say, like, I'm not diminishing your past. Please don't hear me say that your past isn't tragic at times and the things that go on at times. But if you live as a victim, you will never live as a victor, right? And we have got to see that. We have to be resilient enough to overcome the victim's mentality, right? We gotta overcome this idea that we can't be delivered from something that this stupid world gave us. Right? Because this world so many times delivers us in places that are like, we are victims of living in a crazy world, but we are victors because we serve Jesus. And we will live as if we are in victory and not being victims, okay? So she showed resilience. Now this next one, I don't know if it's gonna make sense to you. It made sense to me, so I'm gonna say it anyway. So one of the things that you see in Mary Magdalene's story is, is that she redeemed her work. So if you didn't know this, so Mary Magdalene, that's not her last name, right? So it's not Mary Magdalene. That's, 
It's Mary of Magdala. So they call her, again, Mary Magdalene because that's how they would identify people. So this Mary was identified as the woman that was from Magdala. And the reason that she was identified with that is because she was kind of the queen of the garment district. So in Magdala, she was a part of the garment district. So she was not only somebody who sold garments, but she was somebody who was the designer of the garments. She was somebody who was at the top of the food chain. She was somebody that at that time was very, very wealthy. Right? So Mary of Magdala was a wealthy woman, a very influential woman in Magdala at the time. People looked up to her as a woman of influence. Right? Somebody who made a huge difference in their community, made lots of money, which, again, here's what I want you to think about. So when we normally think about demon-possessed people, do you think about it being people that are successful or people that are foaming at the mouth, turning their head around? Or people that are chained to rocks or people that are demented? Well, here's what I want you to see. Mary Magdala was a perfect example of a person that was functioning society possessed by Satan's demons doing the things that they want that he wanted her to do and she was completely successful in the eyes of the world. Is that You see you need to remember that you can be possessed by demons without foaming at the mouth being crazy here being possessed just means that spirits living inside of you you're a puppet for king Satan and she was doing it really well. Because not only was she distracted, making a lot of money, what did she need? She was on the top of the chain, and she was teaching other people how to get to the top of the chain. And the historians would tell you, in the midst of getting to the top of the garment district, didn't matter who she destroyed, didn't matter what she did. She just wanted to be able to make a lot of money and get to the place where she wanted to go. Possessed by demons. And remember, those demons can be the demons of greed can be the demons of, not, you know what I mean? It's not these demons that, that sometimes we think about. So what she was delivered from, and this is what I want you to see, right? When I say she redeemed her work, do you see what happened? When Jesus Christ came to her and redeemed her and cast the demons out, you know what she did with all of her wealth? You remember the story that we read? Who financed Jesus' ministry? You know how it said these women with their means, what did they do? They financed Jesus' ministry, right? They made it possible. You see, Mary Magdalene, this is what I love about the story. Mary Magdalene didn't get to this point where she's like, oh, you know, now that I'm saved, I can't work in this place anymore. Do you see that? Like she didn't be like, oh, I got to get out of this place because this is where all my demons were. She said, no, I'm just going to go back to this place and redeem it. I'm going to go back to this place, and I, I was once making money for me, but you know now, I'm going to keep making money, but you know what it's for? For the kingdom. Like, I'm going to redeem my work. I'm going to redeem my influence, because you know that's the other thing that she did, right? She redeemed her influence, because anybody that's in that stature, do they have influence? Anybody that's in the leadership position, do they have influence? So instead of her running away from where her demons were, she just said, I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to start inviting people to church. I'm going to start doing all these things, and I'm going to take this money, right? I'm going to take this money that was first possessing me, but I've been delivered from, and I'm going to now use it for the kingdom. 
You don't think that? I think that's powerful. Like, I think that's pretty cool when you look at her life and you say, you know what? That she redeemed her work, that she did things that now before was she was possessed. And now, again, she's taking those things and she's going to use them for the kingdom of God. I think that's cool. And we should learn from that. But the first thing that we should learn from it, don't, don't ever believe that Satan isn't living inside of people who live successful in the world. Do not, do not be deceived. There are people who look completely normal that are possessed by Satan doing his bidding and the world celebrating him. So don't forget that. And don't forget what once Satan had when God redeems, he can use to further the kingdom. That's just the way it works. Here's the other thing that we know about here. She showed the way to other people. So if every story that you read about Mary Magdalene, the cool thing about her story is she always have other people with her. So if you look at her story, when it says, like, you remember when it's saying like they were out and they were going to these villages, who surrounded her? Other women, right? And you know why? Because here's what Mary Magdalene decided. If I'm a person of influence, I should use that influence to further the kingdom of God. Right? Like, if I have influence on anybody, the decisions I should make, you know what? I'm going to church. You know what I should do when I go to church? What do people of influence do when they go to church? Is it for them? No, you know what they do? They invite somebody else. You know why? You know why God gave you influence? So that you could invite. You know why God gave you influence? So you could bring people into. You know, God gave you these giftings and these things so that every day you have influence on people. Because listen, Mary Magdalene had huge influence, but so do you. Don't ever kid yourself. Some of you are saying, well, I'll never be the Mary Magdalene of the world. I don't own a business. I don't do. You have influence. What are you using it for? That influence Mary Magdalene would teach each one of us should be used to further the kingdom of God. Who are you going to surround yourself with? Who are you going to invite? Who are you going to be a part of? Right? Who are you going to bring into those places? Here's the next thing. She showed courage. You see, the one thing that I, we talked about in the beginning, but I don't want you to miss, do you know how much courage it took for Mary Magdalene first to walk to the tomb? And do you know how much courage it took for her to stay there? Because her staying there, open, by herself, right? When she stood there by herself, she opened herself up to say, I'm directly associated with this person and that because I'm directly associated with him, I can also get the same punishment that he did, right? Like, great courage. And here's what I want you to see. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, here's what I want you to hear. It will take great courage. You know why? Because it's going to cost you a lot. You see, so many people don't get to experience faith because they don't have the courage to act. They don't have the courage to stay. They don't have the courage to take the risks. They don't have the courage to do the things when only faith is going to show up. Anybody? Right? Like we get to these places where we gotta have courage. Like we gotta, we gotta stand in the gap. We gotta, we gotta make some tough decisions right now. And these tough decisions are gonna cost us something, but we're staying anyway. We're saying anyway. We're giving anyway. We're doing anyway. Because at the end of the day, where courage is, is where faith thrives. 
When you have courage to stay in the midst of all those things, that's what Mary Magdalene shows us is that day-to-day decisions, right? You see, in her life, she would have had to build up this courage because staying at the tomb would have taken a lot. So every day she's waking up saying, I'm gonna make these decisions. My courage is growing, my courage is growing. And think about this. Because her courage grew, she entertained angels just because she stayed. How many times do you think you've missed the presence of God because you've left too early? Because it was going to cost you too much. Because it was going to be too painful in your life. But I just want to encourage you, have the courage to stay. Here's the last one. She had shown uh, that she, in the midst of all this, showed her true colors. I want you to hear this, is that in, in our lives, here's the thing that we know about storms. Storms don't change you, right? Storms expose who you really are. Did that, was that making sense, right? So when the trials of life come in, it exposes where we are. When storms happen in your life, when things don't go your way, what's exposed is who we are now. Being exposed, right? And this is what we see with Mary Magdalene. When we're exposed, we see who we really are. So for some of us, the storms have exposed some things we need to change. Who's the one who's gonna change it? God. We're gonna say, I'm not right. I need something changed. Holy Spirit, come in, change what you've exposed that I'm lacking in. When Mary Magdalene, think about this inside of her story. When Mary Magdalene, when the storm came, what was exposed? She stayed. She showed up. She preached. She did. She experienced. Why? Because the storms in her life, because remember, if we had all of the story, there were probably going to be other times where storms exposed some things in Mary's life that she had to fix. But like that's what we're guessing is that she had to fix those things in her life. And so the storms exposed for Mary the things that she was lacking, but at the end of the day, you know, she, she fixed it, and because of that, she was able to be at the tomb. So the worship team's going to come back up. I want to give you a couple things to think about. A couple things to to process. So how can you, because this is the thing that I want you to see, where has it been in your life where you're not showing up? And And again, when I say this, this is what I want you to think about. There are times, you know, where parents, all you need to do for your kids, you can't fix them, you just need to show up. You just need to be there, right? Like you can't... If you've raised them, you know there's no instant solution for crazy children or children that are making crazy decisions, right? There's no instant fix. The only fix is to say, I'm showing up. I'm going to do. Inside of your marriage, what does it look like to just show up? What does it look like as a believer, right? Because some of you might be going through this season in your life right now. I'm kind of dry, haven't seen much, haven't been seeing the angels, haven't been seeing the presence of God, haven't been, you know, haven't experienced some of these things. What do I do? And I just keep telling you, just show up. You can't fix it all. You're not gonna be able to fix it all. You might be at this place right now where you're reading your Bible and you're like, this is making no sense and it's dry and I don't have these great epiphanies and I'm not walking away with it from, oh my gosh, I felt the presence of God in my quiet time this morning. 
Keep showing up. Every single day, take a moment to prove to him that I'm going to show up. That's what Mary did. Mary in her life showed that, you know what, I don't know how to fix everything. I don't even know what to do with all of this. I don't even know what it means to be a faithful follower believe with Jesus, but I can tell you this. I'll show up. Do you need me to cook? Do you need me to clean? Do you need me to wash? Do you need me to get a house ready? Do you need me? Like every single day she just got up and she did what she could only do, and then God did what only he can do. You see, part of the problem in our life today is we can't get God. Like, God's not going to act if we're not. Right? Like, you got to show up. You got to take a step. You've got to do. And in the midst of that, when we do those things, God's going to say, I'm there with you. You're going to feel my presence. You're going to see my angels. You're going to see things. Right? And this is what we're asking for. This is what we know. When you show up, this is what he tells you. You will see things far beyond you could ever ask for or imagine. We don't know when it's going to come. We don't know how it's going to come. But he gives us that promise that if we just show up. Will you stand so I can pray for you? Heavenly Father, as we come to you today and just... Um, Love that we can look at the lives of people who reflect what it means to follow you. Lord, and we're thankful for the life of Mary Magdalene, that we could learn from her life, that we could glean things from her, that we could learn what it means to, to faithfully follow you through just showing up. Lord, I pray for the people in the room today, Lord, that just need the courage to take a step, that you'll give them the courage Lord, I pray for those that are walking at the top of the mountains that are ready to give up, Lord. Give them the strength to keep going. Lord, I pray for every person in this room that's quitting too early. Don't let them quit. Keep fighting. Because on the other side, it's where you are. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
So as we go out through this Easter People series, I think this could be foundational for us, right? That our hope is in the one who's faithful, right? And that when we look at the stories of each one of these people, we see just that. The reason that Mary Magdalene could make the decisions to have the courage to stay at the tomb is because she had settled something. You know what she settled? She said, my Lord. When you settle that in your heart, who is your Lord? When you settle in your heart that Jesus is your Lord, you will have the courage to stand at the tomb. You will have the courage to make the hard decisions of life. You will have the courage to be faithful. And when we do, this is what we know, not only does it transform, trans, uh, we have transformation in ourselves, but we see transformation in those around us because we now become light in a dark world. So thanks again for joining us here at our main campus. Thanks for joining us online. We'll see you guys next week.